Good morning. I'm very excited for this word, but I want you to know as I speak this word, I'm not trying to attack somebody. This is what the Lord is speaking in me. Uh, so it's not like, hey, that person or this person. This is just a word God's speaking. And uh, I have a lot of scripture. I don't really need the scripture. It's a message you're going to take, but I'm going to use the scripture so you don't think I'm saying this on my own. Uh, we're going to start in Matthew 16, verse 21. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, to do the forerunner. This is, you know, we just had, you know, a couple weeks ago we had um, Palm Sunday where we we anoint our king and we watch our king and we, we, we know his kingdom is what we're a part of. And then we have... The next Sunday, we have Resurrection Sunday, and we have the promise of resurrected life, eternal life forever, you know, the greatest day in our history, the greatest day for us, because we live forever. And then we have after that, you know, now, what is, what do we have now? What is the deal now? You know, some people sit around and they cannot wait until Jesus returns. And I'm with you. I'm excited for Jesus' return, but there's something between that and, you know, between Jesus resurrecting and something and him coming back. There's a lot of time in between there. So far, it's been over 2,000 years. So what does that in between look like? And uh, it's not just waiting. If it was just waiting, we'd be gone by now, right? Because he wouldn't need us here. But there's something more. So Matthew 16, 21 says, From the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day he be raised, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from me, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But, the, but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loves loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is it to profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and when he, then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death, and, and they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you had such an amazing plan for us. Lord, I ask that today, God, you would open our hearts, that you would speak to each of us, that every last one of us would hear only what you have to say and not what I have to say, Lord. And I pray all of us would be completely changed by what you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's Peter doing a very Eddie thing, I like to think. is This is probably where I would have been at. I would have taught him, no, you're not going to die because... Every man in here knows that we fix stuff and we make sure stuff is taken care of and protected and we have this plan and it's going to come forward, you know? Like, I don't think any of us wouldn't think I'm going to protect the king, right? That's what we would have done. No, that is not going to happen. 
And he said, get behind me. You know not the plans, right? And I think about how often do I try to put my plans on God, right? How many times do I say, like, Lord, you need to move here, or Lord, you need to do that, or Lord, you need to do this? And then he's got to say, hey, get behind me, dude. Like, that's not my plan, right? But then he goes on, and and probably my favorite scripture in all of... uh, the Bible is probably Matthew sixteen twenty six. Actually, twenty five and twenty six. But that what profit? What is a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Right, and uh, that's always one I have to go back to over and over because what in my life is worth losing my soul over? What in my life is worth not seeing a movement of God? What in my life is worth not being part of Jesus's plan? And I'm going to tell you, it's nothing. There's a lot of things I put before his plan, but there's actually nothing that's better than his plan. And uh, it's a convicting message. So, uh, Okay, so we're going to go into Luke 5. And I got a lot of scripture, and I probably won't get through all of them because it's not necessary. You guys know a lot of this stuff, but... Um, this is a message, as I said, that the Lord's been speaking to me, but I've been able to speak to a lot of different ministers in our area here in Henderson and in Evansville, and I was speaking to two of them yesterday, and uh, both of them were so excited. And and one of them used to be a pastor. He just recently retired being a pastor because he realized that the church he was in no longer wanted to reach the people outside the walls, and he didn't know what to do. So he retired and said, you know what? I'm going in the streets. And now he's ministering the streets for healing and everything else because he wants to see a movement of God. And he's not going to let God or let anybody hold him back from seeing that movement. And he was disheartened. He said, everybody thinks I'm crazy. And I said, no, that is exactly where God's calling us to. And we got to spend a lot of time together. But... God is wanting to do something here. And I promise you, if we're not a part of what he does, we will miss it. He will use somebody to get his plan through. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. You know, Pastor Chad did a message last year where he was talking about wherever God's moving, he wants to be there. And and, and I've seen a lot of movements of God over the years. Uh, pretty awesome stuff. I, I just a quick thing that I don't even know why I'm sharing it, but I remember, geez, probably six or seven years ago, Don Brown invited Stacy and I over to Frenchville Prison for an Easter service. And we go over to the Easter service, and I walk into the prison. Her and I, we get there, and we're like, we walk in, and it is the darkest place I've ever been into in my life. As you just walk in, you felt evil everywhere. And it was like, it was creepy. And we're going through this, and we go in, and we minister, and it never feels right being in there, right? And we do everything we need to do. We get, we pray for people and everything. We both leave, and we're like, I'm glad we were there, but that was different, right? So fast forward several months later, Don invites me back. He says, hey, we're having a, a uh, New Year's Day service there. I need you to be there by 6 o'clock in the morning. Well, that's an hour ahead of us. 
So I woke up really early to get there, but the only reason why I went, because my first thought was, God's not there. But he told me, he said, God is moving. He said, I've never felt anything like it, Eddie. I need you to be there. And I trust Don Brown. He's a good brother of mine, and we've done a lot of ministry together. So I drive the two hours to Branchville Prison, and I walk into that gate, and something's different. The Holy Spirit's moving, right? And I'm just sitting here. I'm dumbfounded. And it was the easy, like last time I went there, it was hard getting checked in. They just moved me right on through. God was just moving. And I get into that room, and I look at Don Brown. I said, what is going on here? And he said, I told you God's moving. And we, that day, we ended up, and I didn't do all of them, but we ended up baptizing about 110 people that day in a prison because God's moving, right? When he's moving, he's moving, and you want to be a part of that. And I'm going to tell you, it was a late day. We, we ended up getting out there super late, and then, you know, it, I don't know what the time was, but I know it was real late when I got home. But I could have I missed that movement if I would have just said, no, I'm tired, I've tried that before, it didn't work. I could have had a hundred excuses. It's two hours away. There could have been a lot of excuses of why I missed a movement of God. But none of them would have been good excuses, right? None of them would have been right. So uh, so we're going to talk about that. Just how do we get our hearts to want that movement, right? And so Luke 5, uh, verse 1 says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear a word of God, he was standing by the, the lake of uh, Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out onto the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And, he, and Simon answered, Master... We toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both their boats so that they began to sink. And before I move on here, I just want to point out again, Simon could have said, "Now nah, we already done that. We already tried. These were professional fishermen, right? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to go to professional fishermen and say, hey, have you tried this over here? He had already washed his nets. He was already ready to move on. Yet when Jesus told him, do this, he said, because it's you, I will. Because it's you, I'll move forward, right? But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That is a great way to respond. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Some versions say fishers of men, right? So these guys had a business. They had a life. They had everything going on. And whenever Jesus said, come and follow me, they dropped everything and followed him. 
I don't know that I do that. I don't know that I've dropped everything in my life for the sake of Christ, to follow Him. And just a little thing with that fishers of men, I wasn't meaning to bring this up either, but our prayer group's really been getting hit with this fishers of men thing lately. And uh, we learned a few weeks ago that probably our churches have been more of traps for men than, than fishers of men. And is what that means is whenever, as a church, we've been waiting for people to come into the, the church and then we would trap them, right? And then try to get them converted. We haven't been fishers of men who are going out and casting our nets and trying to bring people in. It's a big difference, right? We're like, we're trappers now. But Jesus never said anywhere in there, let's go trap people to become Christians, right? I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see, like, they'll come and we'll jump on them real quick and see if we can't get them in here, right? Then we wonder why they're scared when they walk in the door when we're trying to trap them. So, all right. John one thirty five. Uh, actually, John 1, 1 verse 43. Uh, this is where he starts to call Philip and Nathaniel and their reaction. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him whom Moses, him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of, Nathan, uh, out of Nazareth? And I think we sometimes say that stuff. Can anything good come out of a movement over here? Can anything good... That was my first reaction whenever Don asked me to go to the prison. Well, what good can happen there? I've been there. That's an evil place, right? Philip said to him, come and see, to which is the exact same thing that Don said to me. Come and see God move. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael said to Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if I was out hanging out somewhere and nobody in a private place, nobody could see me, and then the guy who I'm coming up to who's supposed to be the, the Messiah comes up and says, oh, I saw you. The reason why is I saw you over here doing this. And you're like, whoa, this is a real deal, right? Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And I will tell you, there's a moment where you knew that Jesus was Jesus. You knew he was the Messiah. You knew he was the Christ. And he said, come and follow me. And you said, yes. But have you seen greater works since then? Have we seen these awesome miracles since then? What have we seen since we started following Jesus? When you follow Jesus, there should be way more going on. Jesus does some stuff. 
Jesus don't just hang out. Jesus don't sleep, you know, all day long. Jesus don't sit back and wait for for somebody to do something. Jesus is out doing it, even now. Right? Jesus always said, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. You know what the Father in heaven was already doing? Loving people. Healing people. Taking care of people. And what are we doing? What are we doing? Jesus said that's what he was doing. John 12, verse 20. And I'm moving along here because it's not a long, it's not a deep, like a, well, it is a deep message. It's not a long, big, I got to get you everything out there, but I want you to see what the scriptures show. So John 12, 20 says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was with uh, Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's a powerful thought. If you truly hated the life in this world, you'd be living in the kingdom. You would be living for kingdom purposes. You'd be living for Jesus, right? But too often we're trying to hold on to the things of the world. Too often we're trying to hold on to what we got. And he's like, hey, let go of it. See what I can do. Right? If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am. I'm going to re-say that. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant also be. Hmm. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Do we go where the where Jesus is? If we serve Jesus, we are where he's at. That's a crazy thought to me, right? If we are serving him wherever he is at, we will go. And I think in America, in the American church, and I know my brother here would say probably agree with me after I say this, we like to schedule where we meet with Jesus. When Jesus is moving, we're like, ah, that's a little early. If he can come at 9 o'clock, I'd go meet with him, right? I could tell you that Tuesday morning at 3 a.m. here at the church, Jesus is going to show up, and a lot of us would say, ooh, that's when I sleep. That's a little early. And we'd say, maybe he'll still be there at 10 o'clock and I can come, right? Or we would say, well, I need to make sure I make it to work, but if he's still there after I get off work, I'll go see Jesus, right? And I think we do that. I think we, we limit our ability to follow Jesus because we put our own stipulations on following him. If, it, if it's the way I want it to be, I will go wherever he wants me to go, right? And, and I'm not attacking anybody. I just know I've heard over the years many a times, yeah, it just wasn't a good time. Or I had this going on or had that going on. I'm like, God is doing something amazing, and you have something more important going on than that? 
You know, they say Americans have FOMO, fear of missing out. Thing is, though, we have a fear of missing out on what's going on outside of the wall or outside of the in the world than we do on missing out on what Jesus is doing. When Jesus is doing something, we're like, I'll be a part of it if something else ain't going on, right? I have a fear of missing out on what God's doing. And that's not a lie. Like, I'll get angry. Like, I don't get anxious. Most of you know me. I don't stress. I don't get anxious. If God's doing something and I don't get to be a part of it, you're going to see a guy get anxious. Right? I'm going to be, I'm going to wonder what's going on. Why am I not there? What's going on? Right? And uh, Keith knows he's had to pray for me. There's a movement going on in Colorado I'm supposed to be at at the end of the month. The Lord's not letting me go. I want to be there. The Lord's not letting me do it. Right? I get anxious about that. <laughs> It uh, yeah. So we need to be where Jesus is at. Whenever He tells us, "Hey, go, follow me, do this," and sometimes we'll do it. We'll we'll start to do it, and then whenever we get tired, we're like, "All right, I'll I'll pick that back up later," right? Or you know, hey, Dave will be there. I don't have to be there. Dave will come back and tell me how it went, right? We can do that, you know. Hey, maybe somebody else will go meet with Jesus, and I'll glean from that later on. But I don't know. I love you guys. I love every one of you, and I want to hang out with you all. But I will hang out with Jesus before you any day, right? Any day. Luke 18. Verse 18. It says, actually, this is Luke 17, I think. and I put that down wrong. It's Luke 17, verse 18, I believe. And ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these I have kept from your from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell all of that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. And how many of you know that this doesn't mean we got to sell everything we have and distribute it to the poor? This is saying those things that you're not willing to give up, give them up. What he's saying, right? I can sell all my possessions and give them to the poor, and they're going to still be really poor after I sell what little possessions I have. It's not my holdup. There's a lot of other things holding me back. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was very rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? I don't have a lot of money, necessarily. We can say that. You can say, I'm not wealthy. You know, Bill Gates is wealthy. I'm not wealthy. We live in the richest nation in the world by far and away. Like, our poor people are rich other places. We may not be rich by American standards, but we are rich in this world. Very rich. We have a lot of stuff. And those stuff, that stuff can own us. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is possible, impossible for man is possible with God. And we have to understand that. 
if we could do all this on our own, if we can follow Jesus on our own, if we can do it on our own, we would. Every last one of us. But we can't. It takes being in prayer. It takes seeking the Lord. It takes asking the Holy Spirit to move you. Right? It's only possible through God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you and... Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more than this in the age of the, that to come in eternal life. And what you give up here, what we give up for the kingdom of God will be blessed beyond measure when we make it to heaven. But you're still going to get blessings here, Right? Do you know how blessed I was whenever we got to baptize all those people in a prison that I thought was never going to have any kind of reform to it, was not going to have any kind of movement in it? That's God opening my eyes saying, you don't, you don't know a whole lot, Eddie. But I was very blessed in it. Matthew 8, verse 18 says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I... I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me go, first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, No, follow me and leave the dead bury their own. Right? This is uh, This is still a very common thing. Hey, come and follow me. I can't. I got this going on. I can't. I have that going on. I can't because, well, Wednesday nights when I watch my show. I can't because I'm tired. I can't because I don't have the money. I can't because I need to spend the time with my family. I can't because I got to do this, right? Let me tell you something. If there's a movement of God and you need to spend time with your family, what better place to spend time with your family than in a movement of God, right? Let your kids see that. Let your wife see that. Let your husband see it. Whoever it is, if there's a movement of God, get involved, right? Let everything else take care of itself. If God calls you to it, he'll probably take care of it, right? And when, Jesus, and, and when he got into the boat, when Jesus got in the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus was asleep. And they went, and they woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? And I like that. We often wonder where our provision is going to come from. We often wonder how we're going to do something. And then we think Jesus is asleep. Or we think, like, he's not doing something. If Jesus is in your boat and you're following Jesus, you're probably okay. Right? It's probably think Shelly knows she. All you've been through, Jesus is in your boat. You were good. That lady never got rocked. She could have walked in fear. She did not. Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And I like that he did it for them. He didn't need that sea to be calm. Nothing's going to happen to him until the appointed time. Nothing's going to happen to you until the appointed time, if you're following Jesus. You're in his boat. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? And 
Worship team can come on up. I don't even know where Tracy is, but worship team, come on up. We're going to close out here, but uh, that one was Luke 18 earlier. Luke 17 is where we're going to close this out at, but I just want to, uh, before I, I share this, I just want us to to think about this, and, and we're going to, when we start worshiping, we can pray about this very thing of what is keeping us from being a part of this movement, Right? What is keeping us from moving forward? What What is it that we have to have accomplished in our lives that's bigger than what God's going to do? I don't know. What What is our fear? What is stopping us? Because when I see God moving, very usually there's not a whole lot of people there. But I don't want anybody in this place not to see the movement of God. It's scary. So Luke seventeen twenty says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that you can observe. And I want you to remember that because the first question I talked about was what happens between the resurrection and the return of Jesus. And they're asking, when is all this going to come down, right? Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there... For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. That word translated means within you or amongst you. The kingdom of God is here. Right? We have to be more kingdom-oriented, less earth-oriented. Right? There's going to be a time we live in heaven. We live with Jesus. But we already have God in us. We already have that kingdom in us. We're already part of the kingdom of God. It's not a time to come. It's a time right now. And if we're pursuing, if he's moving and he's doing something, and his kingdom needs to grow and we have to take it out. If we're hanging out of here, as we always know, the old clubhouse thing, you know, we're hanging out in the clubhouse here. If we're just hanging out here and we're not taking it out there where Jesus is moving and the way Jesus did it, I will tell you the word God gives me over and over is we're fat and lazy. We come and we get fed and we get fed and we get fed and we never get rid of it. We become fat and lazy. God don't want us to be fat and lazy. Jesus called us to be part of what he's doing. He called us to be a part of his movement. And wherever Jesus moves, I want to be there. Maybe I show up somewhere and I think, okay, I hear Jesus is moving here and he ain't there. Guess what? Then I leave and I go away. I go find out where he's moving. But I will tell you, even right here in this room, with the people in this room, if we were seeking the Lord and seeking a movement of God, guess what? He will be there. Where two or more gather, he is there. And if we would gather more often and we seek more often, he'll be there. Because that's what he promised us reason why we don't see a movement of God more often is we're not seeking the movement of God. We sit around hoping that one day it'll come, but we're not seeking it. He said, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open, asking it will be given. How often do we do that? Or how often do we sit at home and be like, boy, I wish this would happen? Or how often do we sit here and we're like, man, I want to be a part of that. And then whenever, whatever it is we want to be a part of is coming up where we have a, a hundred excuses, right? Do you think Satan don't put a hundred excuses in your path to keep you from being where God's moving? We have to be proactive. We have to be wanting more. 
if we settle for what we have right now, the Lord will pass us by. We will miss a movement. We will miss what He's doing all together. And I'm telling you what, whatever He's doing is so exciting. And it is a God thing because I don't know anybody who is seeking this right now that can tell you what it looks like. Just like when the apostles went up into the upper room, the disciples. 500 see Jesus raised from the dead. 500 see Him afterwards. Only 120 were waiting. But they waited because they knew there was something different. They didn't know what it was. Jesus told them, you'll be in with power on high. But who knew what that meant? But they seeked Him. They stayed in that room praying. And they waited. And then He poured out this great movement. And guess what they did after He did that? Went out of the walls. And they started speaking. And they started preaching. And they started gathering. And people came. They didn't have to go out and beg people to come. People came. Wherever Jesus goes, people will come. But you've got to take Jesus to those areas for people to come to. There was many times where Jesus said, I'm going to go over here and rest. And Scripture tells us that people would go and follow, even though, even though that wasn't really His plan at the moment. His plan was, I'm going to go over here and get some rest. And people would just show up. You know why they showed up? Because Jesus was there. That's what I want to do. If I had my my way, I would never let Jesus rest. I would follow him everywhere and bug him. I'd be that annoying little brother who never leaves you alone. Right? That's who I want to be. I want to be wherever he's at. And we can do that. And we have to hold each other accountable. We have to be willing to do it together. But there's more. There's more than we'll ever see, probably even now. Until we get to heaven, we won't know how much. But there's more. We can have more right here. Right? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. And as we're worshiping, I want us to just pray for what that is that's keeping us from, from a movement of God. I can't answer that for you, and uh, I can't answer it for me. But God can, so let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, thank you for speaking to our hearts. I thank you that you let us give be a part of what you're doing, Lord. We just have to answer that call. We just have to step into it. God, show us what's keeping us from, from being in your presence. Show us what's keeping us from seeing this great movement, Lord. You said you would do far greater things after you leave that your Holy Spirit would be doing them, Lord. We want to see it, God. We want to be a part of it. So help us. Show us what's stopping that, God. Help us to overcome the things of this world, Lord, to be where you're at, to follow you, God. Help us to sell everything. Help us to bear our cross, Lord. Where we can't do it, Lord, where we're not strong enough, Lord, you be our strength. But we need you, Lord. If we're going to be a part of what you're doing, Lord, you're going to have to do it in us. Lord, we ask for it. We thank you for it. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.
couple of weeks ago, we were in prayer, and uh, a friend of ours, she goes to his church. She comes and prays with us, and she gets these prophetic words, and a powerful woman, uh, Kim Jackson. And she got this scripture. She didn't know why she got it, and uh, it's a scripture I've been holding on to ever since, and uh, I know Keevan has also. But it's Acts 9. She shared a lot of it, but one part that really stuck out to us uh, was in verse 15 and said, But the Lord said to him, and this is the Lord speaking to Ananias because he's about to use Saul. And Ananias says, Oh no, he's persecuting people, right? But this is the words that, that uh, stuck out to us. It says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a tro- chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles kings and the children of Israel and there's a lot more in that message but that those words it hit Kevin immediately to go to the Gentiles the king he'll speak minister to the Gentiles the kings and the children of Israel and it hit Kim that there was something to the way that's worded the Gentiles the kings to the Israel and I know what that means for as far as the gospel, right? But what I felt immediately the Lord was showing us is He's going to do a transformation outside of the church walls. And then there's going to be ministers who fall in line with that. But it's not going to be until then that the church is willing to actually start to change. And I've shared this with about four other ministers since then, and every last one of them so that's what the Lord's calling me to. And I don't want that to happen here. I don't want to see the world outside of the walls change before we become a part of what God's doing. Right? I think we, getting a word in advance, should be a wise enough to say, I want to be a part of it now. It's going to change outside of these walls, but we can be a part of that. Right? We can be a part of that change. And our ministers, we don't have a leader in this church right now who does not fall right along with wanting to see God move. Thinking there's more. And wanting to be involved in whatever that is. You sit in our elders meeting the other day, you just see, see excitement, right? We, we are so excited. But I don't want anybody to miss it. And I don't want to miss it. So if you see me whenever God says, hey, go do this. And you're like, anyway, you're not going. Hold me accountable. I don't want to miss a thing. Evan Roberts. We've shared it many times here. And I've shared it in a lot of other meetings we've had lately. But Evan Roberts, who's considered the father of the Wells Revival in 1903. Evan Roberts, at 13 years old, got that vision that there was going to be a great revival. Right? 13 years old. 18 years old, or actually I think 17, he starts working in a coal mine. But then when he was like 21 or 22, God said, no. I told you there's going to be a great revival. So Evan Roberts said, I do not want to miss what God's going to do. I will not miss what God's going to do. So he became a full-time minister. Wasn't getting paid much. But he would go every day to the church and he would pray.
and he would pray and he would pray for this revival and he did it every day and he loved being out on ships and he be going down the road and he'd look out onto the ships and he'd be like oh man they look like they're having so much fun out there on the water and he would say but I'm not going to miss a movement of God and he would go and pray and pray and whenever he was about 25 or 26 years old the revival in Wells began to happen and it started with a little girl they're up there preaching talking about uh just how much God loves them, and, and the whole the whole congregation looked dead, like they weren't they weren't into it very much. But this little girl stood up and she said, "I love Jesus, and He loves me." Yeah. And it was so real, and it just began to pour out, right? But Evan Roberts said, "I will not do anything to miss a movement of God. Nothing's going to stop me from it." And I think if our hearts can get to that place. Nothing is going to get in the way of me seeing a movement of God. I will seek it. I will pray for it. And I will not stop. If we had some brothers and sisters doing that. And we got some brothers and sisters doing it. But I want everybody doing it. I don't want anybody to miss it. So I'm going to close this in prayer. And uh, I love you guys. So, Father God, we need you. We do not want to miss your movement. We want to be a part of what you're doing, God. And Lord, as you begin to transform those outside of this walls, Lord, those this this community and, and everywhere you're moving, Lord, we want to be a part of it. Transform us, Lord. We're so grateful for your salvation, Lord, but we know there's more. We know your kingdom is now, God, and we need to we need to be a part of what you're doing. We long to see salvations, Lord. We long to see transformations, God. We long to see this community completely on fire for you. And as we prayed the other day, Lord, at the the city movement, Lord, that God, the little embers would just go out of this place we can just set small fires everywhere but use us God to be those embers Lord it's a word we keep getting over and over Lord the driest timber only needs a little spark any spark will do Lord let us be that spark God where will we go wherever you take us wherever you call us to Lord let us help be a part of that movement God thank you for what you're doing, Lord. I thank you for this excitement you're giving your people. When Satan thought he was winning, you declared victory again, Lord, and we thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to remember, I know people are going through stuff, but I also want you to remember that Satan is fighting out of defeat. We are fighting out of victory. And always remember that. You win. No matter what you're going through, you win it. Satan does not. So, love you guys.